This podcast contains adult themes and mature content. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, girly. Hey, Adam. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Just hanging out in my closet, you know, like you do. I see. Well, I'm not familiar with that because I left the closet 12 years ago. But anyway, <laughs> welcome back to the Ick Patrol, everybody. I hope that you're all feeling ooky spooky and ready for the Hallow's Eve. Yes, this is our Halloween episode. Very fitting. Very fitting indeed. But before we dive into that, do you want to give us a little quick life update, Cherish? Any scandalous secrets to spill? Well, no scandalous secrets, although I have been... I have gone on two dates with this guy I met on Hinge lately. That's like the most exciting thing that's happened in my life. Did I not tell you that, Adam? I think you did. No, I just pulled a face because I've just received a gnarled penis on Grinder. Oh, okay. Understandable. We'll do an episode about that soon, guys, about Grinder. <laughs> but um, I mean, to be fair, that's more scary than any of the shit we'll talk about today. True. That is the actual horror story there. Um. Yeah, anyway, it's it's going fine. This guy is really nice and everything. He's 32, and he's only slept with two people. Is he a Mormon? <laughs> I don't think so. Honestly, I didn't really ask why. Um, I suppose it's like a bit weird to just launch into like the second date. Like, why have you only slept with two people? <laughs> yeah. Also, um... He wants to just keep it casual because he's moving soon, which honestly, uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah, no, that sounds fair. Yeah, so I'm kind of just chilling and like having fun and it's nice to have company sometimes. So I've been forcing him to watch horror films, actually, even though he doesn't like it. Oh, I like that for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How I'm about you? Here. What's been going on in your life? Um. So Shakira released any single, Monotonia. Stream it on Spotify and watch the video on YouTube now. Oh please. my god! Um, got to plug my queen. Um, Taylor Swift released a new album yesterday. Um, no, not yesterday, the day before yesterday. As well, that's pretty good. So, little gay heart has been filled with pop queen goodness. It's also <laughs> Diwali right now. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Diwali is like one of the main Hindu festivals, and I'm a practicing Hindu, so it's a good time of year for me. I'm off work this week coming, so you know, life is good. We're um we're living, laughing, and loving right now. Yeah, I uh, wouldn't say I'm doing all of those things, but I'm here and I'm definitely living. I can confirm that. And you'll be laughing today, I imagine. Yes, I'm sure I will. I already have. Um, that being said, have you been watching lots of horror movies on the lead up to Halloween this year? I actually have. Um. See, when you live by yourself, like, I don't always sort of, I sometimes think, like, is this the wisest choice to make? But I've just been watching loads of them lately. But I've been, like, watching everything from, like, ones that I actually find scary to, like, I think, say things like Halloween adjacent. Like, I watched Nightmare Before Christmas recently. I watched Coco as well. It's obviously about Dia de los Muertos. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I've watched, like, the whole spectrum of, like, Halloween content this year. Yeah, I've been doing the same. I mean... Honestly, I watch horror movies literally all year round. Um, 
but definitely the lead up to Halloween, I watch horror movies and I also watch the classics, you know, like Nightmare Before Christmas, Hocus Pocus, Beetlejuice, those kind of ones. I um, actually watched Hocus Pocus for the first time ever this year. <laughs> what did I've you think? I thought it was fun. It is fun. It's very camp. It's like not uh, to be taken too seriously. No, I mean, I didn't go into it. It's called Hocus Pocus. I didn't think it was going to be like a serious movie. It was really, it was fun. It was cute. Um, yeah, I definitely watch it again. I haven't watched the new one. Um, Me neither. But I kind of thought, well, this is around everywhere. And I mean, it's not got the same sort of level of cultural impact in the UK as it does in the US, the film Hocus Pocus. But I was like, you know what? It seems up my street. Yeah, I'm glad you liked it. I kind of was wondering how it would be to watch it for the first time when you're in your 20s instead of like when you're a kid. It In my head, I was just like, it's like a Christmas film, but just for a different holiday. Like, you know, it's very fun, inoffensive, family-friendly, jolly times. Yeah, I agree. I like it for that. And um, also, earlier when you were talking about watching horror movies by yourself, um, I also live alone. And I just, I don't know what it is. Me and Adam have this in common. We're both just not affected by horror movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I was at one time as a kid. I was actually, I watched The Grudge when I was like 10 or younger. And that movie like scared me shitless for several years. But I just think I've watched so many now. I'm like a little bit desensitized and I just watch it. It's like more like a fun thing for me. And I like laugh mm. and it's just not scary. And I love that about it. What gets me is that I was never um, really into the spooky stuff as a kid. Mm. I remember like even up into being like 12 or 13, like, you know, you go to like things like Farmageddon or like here we have like the London dungeons, the York dungeons, those sorts of things. Yeah, they have like like, jump out at you and stuff like that. I was always like the one that was always screaming my way through those, (laughs) like really, really scary cat. And I don't know what sort of flipped in my mind to make me so the opposite, but Mm -hmm. I'm glad that I have because it's the same thing for me now. Like a majority of horror films I watch, I kind of watch with a bit of an eye roll and a giggle. Yes, me too. Even when they're trying to scare you, but um, yeah. I suppose. I mean, do you want to sort of talk about why? most people watch horror films yeah i actually read um an article about this the other day i think i've googled this several times because i'm just like Mm -hmm. am i weird for like consuming so much horror and stuff and i love a lot of true crime yeah a lot of true crime and that's kind of a like different thing because that's actually real stuff um but apparently like watching horror films gives you you know adrenaline if you uh get spooked by things and it gives it actually makes you like release endorphins and it can make you happy to like be scared so i think that's part of it it's just like it's fun for some reason and also in this article it says like humans are naturally curious and we're curious about like how dark um humans can be and like we never really get to see that in our own lives. I mean, at least we hope yeah. we don't. Um, and so watching these movies is kind of like 
we get to like peer into that side of the human psyche and it like satisfies that curiosity for us, which I think is really cool. Yeah, that is interesting. And it's interesting as well that while some people like you and I have that like massively, there are other people who just don't have it at all. Like, I think that the thing about horror films as well is it's almost like how some people are into things like um, like bungee jumping or skydiving or whatever. It's like, it's like you said, it's like a rush of adrenaline when you watch a horror film, but I like that I'm cozy in bed or like on the couch watching it. I can eat popcorn while watching yeah. it. Like and it's something that I can sort of, I almost can monitor how much I'm buying into that experience in a way that you can't with obviously other things that have similar impacts on your adrenaline levels because you're experiencing things more physically than you are visually and sort of emotionally when you're watching a film. Yeah. It's the article also said that it was like you if you're safe like in your life and in your home and everything then it's like enjoyable for you usually. Yeah. Like if you like that kind of thing. But a lot of people don't and I'm curious like if it's just the people it seems like women gravitate toward it more at least in just my yeah. experience. And I always have wondered why. That's a question I have not researched, really. Um, but maybe I've it's not lo- even true. I looked into that with true crime, because that's definitely the case with true crime. And maybe we should do a true crime episode. I feel like it would definitely be on brand for us. Oh, yeah. Um, but from what I can remember, it's almost like because the world outside is just so dangerous for us anyway, like more dangerous for us anyway, we consume horror and true crime. I mean, I'm saying true crime and horror conflated might be different reasons. Almost as a way of like, we're mentally preparing ourselves for what we could experience at some point. And I also think as well, we talked about this before, we're just more generally emotionally open. So maybe the experience of really coming into touch with your emotions for a horror film of like feeling scared or feel like a rush of anxiety or like, even like adrenaline and excitement all tied up in one film. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's part of like why we enjoy them because we're just more emotional beings. But then interestingly, I always feel like men and the sort of horror that they enjoy is usually things more like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like slashes or things like Saw, which are more gory than they are mentally scary. Yeah. I wonder why that is. I wonder if that's just me observing something that's not true or there is actually something that's gone into that. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's just my experience that, like, whenever I have somebody over, like a guy on a date or something, like a movie night, I ask if they they like horror movies. And I would say, not even exaggerating, nine times out of ten, they say no, they don't like it. So... I don't know if that's just like the guys that I happen to be going on dates with or if that's like an actual reflection of like a wider thing, but I would love to hear uh, other perspectives on that if anybody knows. As yeah, well. absolutely. Yeah, that's um, it's definitely an interesting thought. And um, I mean, I think that there's there's so much stock that goes into horror films because the genre of horror movies is so broad. I mean, like as most film genres are, but there's so many different types of horror films. There's definitely types that we sort of vibe more with than others. But I think before we explore that, do you want to talk about how horror was important in our friendship? Yes. Um, Me and Adam discovered pretty 
early on that we both love horror movies. And if I'm not mistaken, the first horror we saw together was The Descent. That wasn't the first one. And the reason I'm sure of that is because we watched The Descent after we'd watched a bunch of horror films that didn't scare us at all. Oh, that's right. Because I was like, we got to find something that will scare us. When me and Cherish lived together in my second year of uni, your third year, it would have been. Um, yes. So we lived together and we both didn't have an awful lot of like contact time where we actually had to go to uni. So we just spent like whole days just sat on this really comfortable beat down couch we had in our living room watching horror film after horror film. Like there were days on, especially on the weekends for that, we must have watched like three or four in a day. Yeah. <laughs> we consumed so much. We were just literally like, <laughs> it's kind of making me feel like we were just like, I want to feel something. I need it. <laughs> we're searching for something to actually scare us. Like, I just want to feel. <laughs> That's so true, though. I remember there was this one Spanish language horror film called Veronica that, like, everyone said, like, oh, it's so scary. It's like, it's going to fuck you up. It's terrifying, as they always do when, like, yeah. new horror films come out. And we both just sat there and were like, this isn't just not scary. It's also just boring. Yeah. Oh, my God. The amount of times that I've been disappointed because I listened to the hype too much about horror films. Yeah. I try not to do that anymore. Um, Just, to, like, keep my expectations low and then be pleasantly surprised if I'm actually finding it scary. Yeah. I think that... Um, I think one thing as well that was so nice about that, I mean, and that's, like, one of my favorite memories, like, period... It was just like watching horror films and like rainy like afternoons and weekends and stuff. I think the thing that was nice is like, because obviously we both were really into it. And it's always nice to have like a friend who has like the same sort of thing that they're into, like whether it's a TV show, because like me and Cherish are both massive Game of Thrones fans as well. Mm-hmm. Like um, it's nice to have someone like who's into the same TV show as you or music as you or like type of film as you. But we would just sit there and like, we would just be like talking shit through the films and like, laughing at the bad decisions and <laughs> it was just really cute wholesome memories which i suppose when you watch films about people being haunted and like torn apart and things like that isn't really that wholesome but it felt wholesome yeah it was like trauma bonding <laughs> no just kidding <laughs> just just bonding we've done trauma bonding but not that <laughs> yeah <laughs> we don't trauma bond with horror films we trauma bond with our actual lives <laughs> <laughs> There's enough material. (laughs) So I'm going to pose a question to you now, Cherish. So there's lots of different types of horror films. Do you have a favorite genre within horror that you like the most? I like so many different kinds. Um, I want to say my favorite is probably psychological horror. Like, yeah, I would agree. Something that like fucks me up mentally is like the best because visually um like maybe it has something to do with my job where i actually see like crazy shit in real life but yeah i think even before that like just visually the like gore and stuff doesn't really do anything for me so i kind of like to have like the hair on the back of my neck stand up and just feel like i'm like wait what's happening what's going on i feel like that's the most fun like scary feeling i get from horror films what yeah, about you? I'm, I would probably say the same, to be honest. 
I'm similar. Like, I don't really love like the slashes and like the the golf sake of golf films. Like, I can watch them. It's not like I'm like got a physical like thing against them because like I'm not squeamish at all. Um, and I've seen those films and like been fine, but I just don't find them as scary because I think it's like when the whole sort of value is around like the visuals. Mm. I feel it. I don't know. Maybe I just need more stuff going on, like in my brain, to like really sort of fire off the right signals for me. But um, I'd say I like the um, I like anything sort of psychological. Um, I don't know if it's just from being a teenager in the two thousand tens when paranormal films are really popular, but paranormal movies are like one thing that I particularly like. But I think that might more be because as I was starting to get into horror, that's what I film was. Yeah. And I also really like anything sort of like found footage. I like that sort of style. Mm-hmm. Um, I was gonna say, uh, paranormal is a very close second for me. That's definitely like and I think part of that too is a lot of that is because we don't see the monster or the entity entity as much. Like we were talking about how slasher films don't really scare us very much. Yeah. Because of the gore, like it's scarier to leave something up to your imagination, like in the psychological uh horror movies yeah. and paranormal ones. Because whatever's in your mind is much scarier than whatever they can make with CGI, really. That's really true, actually. Um see, we were gonna talk about um like dystopian films a little bit on um, we'll touch on that later. But it's interesting you bring that up about your mind's eye, because I remember when Bird Box came out. Oh yeah. I mean I won't say it was, like, the best film I've ever seen, but I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, like, I remember were kicking off because you don't see what the people in the film are seeing. But I think it makes sense why. Because whatever they sort of would have projected, it wouldn't have been as scary as, like you say, what you think of in your mind. So I feel like that was a bit of an unnecessary or unfair flack that that film got. I mean, I think that there were fair criticisms of it, but I just don't think that was one of them. Yeah, I don't think... I didn't particularly like that movie. I just... I thought it was, like... I thought it was dumb. <laughs> but it wasn't for that reason. Um, yeah. I mean, it was, like, a three out of five movie for me. Yeah. I've seen it twice, actually. So, like, I've probably seen it double the amount of times that most people have. Um, but like it was just fine. It was quite inoffensive to me. I thought that the memes were quite funny though. <laughs> the memes were really good. Um also talking about like not seeing a monster the monster like being the scariest part, I have to give a mention to Signs, one of the most successful yeah. horror movies out there. It like I mean, it's old, but it still is scary. If you watch it, it's still pretty scary. And I watched it when I was pretty young, so maybe that's why it had such a big impression on me. But you don't actually see the alien, like, straight on. You see it, like, through a reflection, or it's just, like, a really grainy photo or video. Yeah. And it just makes it that much scarier. Yeah, because your imagination's, like, running away with you. Yeah. Um... Sort of diving more into the genres, like the first one I've got noted down here is slashers, and I've wrote, particularly popular in the 80s, and they had a resurgence in the early 2000s. In the past few years, they've had like a little bit of a resurgence again with like things like Texas Chainsaw Massacre being revamped recently. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they've had like less central dominance um sort of in horror over the past like sort of as we've been into horror so maybe that's another reason why we're not super into them but um generally they kind of follow a group of like people in like late teens or early 20s like they might be on like some kind of trip or whatever there's usually some sort of backstory but it's often there's one sort of main villain who has like a vendetta against these people and then basically slashes them up so like texas chainsaw massacre we said it before um there's other classics like cabin in the woods i know what you did last summer nightmare on elm street halloween i mean they're all sort of like more classic ones but um mm-hmm. i know we've just said that we're not really in slashes but do you have any much more much more to say about them well i think slashers are for some reason they're they create the biggest cult um following like cult classics yeah how, like halloween scream uh nightmare on elm, on elm street friday the 13th yeah. those are all uh, slashers and i think that a big reason why people like them is that it's literally nostalgic you know yeah that's so true i also wonder as well that maybe people like them because they all kind of have the same story in a way yeah like it's always some kind of small town in america somewhere and it's a group of teenagers it's like when people say like who survives like last in the horror film sort of thing like mm-hmm. that kind of trope of there being like oh the black person dies first like there's a jock there's like a hot girl there's like the best friend like that kind of trope that people talk about when they talk about horror films comes from slashes yeah so i feel like it's almost like the most generic horror mm-hmm. film genre as well like and I don't want to say this like I'm just like crapping all over them. Like I do, I have watched them and enjoyed them. Yeah. But I just don't find them as engaging. Like they're not, they're never going to be my first choice if there's other sort of options on the table for horror movies. Yeah, I agree. I like them. They're more of like a fun watch for me. Not really, I wouldn't yeah. even, like, it's hard for me to even consider them horror, even though technically they are. Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, but it's almost like a hero villain story. Yeah, that's really true. It's like there's they have a very defined antagonist and protagonist as well, which like some other horror doesn't necessarily have as much. Or um but there's like there's like a very clear embodied villain who's like all bad. Cause even if they give you a bit of backstory, it's never gonna be so complex because people aren't really watching a lot of horror movies necessarily for the most like deep stories i mean some of them do have them but there are a lot of horror films i think particularly of sort of the 80s slasher era that were more just sort of cheap frill cinema but like i mean i'm not a film critic either so (laughs) yeah neither am i so let's just make that clear too like hope we don't offend anyone with our takes Yeah, I mean, I'm sh- I'm sure that most people will kind of agree with us to a degree, or if they disagree, like, I don't think the opinion of us is going <laughs> to do too much. I think we'll be but, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think we'll be fine. We can navigate a conversation about horror horror movies <laughs> relatively unscathed, unlike <laughs> most of the people in horror movies. I think True. the thing that um, gets me a bit about, like, slashers as well is... I feel like it's where a lot of the horror stereotypes come from. Yeah. Because it's like, in horror movies, there's always like a final girl 
like slasher movies even there's always like the final girl who like survives and all the friends have died uh. there's like, always someone says let's split up <laughs> and there's terrible decision making that's what i love about cabin in the woods is that like it took all of those tropes and just like magnified them and kind of yeah. made fun of them but was also it was like really successful in the way that it did that it was like still scary and creepy but it was like yeah. fun because it didn't just try to ignore that they were doing that yeah i feel like if i was to be placed in a horror film i'd probably survive the easiest in a slasher because i feel oh. like just like just don't do what everyone else is doing and you'll survive <laughs> exactly yeah everyone says so let's go in that house i'm not going in the house yeah. Everyone says, let's split up. I'm saying no cherish. Let's get out of here. Let's split up. We'll cover more ground. It's like, for what? <laughs> yeah. Cover more ground. For what? Let's split up into couples and like bang each other. Oh, uh, that's the thing as well. There's always like, even though creepy shit's going on, there's always like one sort of like cheap sex scene thrown in like those sort of butts and seats slasher movies. And you watch it and you're like, it's now really the time. Yeah, every time. It's one of those uh, genres of movies with that you're always screaming at the screen, like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, and that's kind of like the charm of them as well, a little bit. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm not watching them to be scared, but like, they are fun. Yeah, they are like, fun. All of these genres pretty much fun. Well, one of them isn't, but most of these are pretty fun. <laughs> yes, I agree. I mean, like, the, the next one I had written down is the one that we already talked about quite a bit, which is like paranormal horror. Yeah. Like... It's been, it's had peaks and troughs. Like some of the earliest really popular horror films, like um, Poltergeist and The Exorcist, are obviously of this genre. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, kind of like within a bit of a subgenre, but um, they were very popular over the 2000s and like early mid 2010s. And a lot of the time, they kind of focus on like a family or a group of people entering a new space, um, like moving into like a new house or like visiting like an unvisited hotel or something like that yeah. um and i think what really kind of set off this trend in horror films that we're still seeing now is paranormal activity yes oh my god i will always have a special place in my heart for paranormal activity um i will i don't find it scary so did you see it when an, so the first one came out i just googled it it came out in 2007 did you see it like right when it came out um not when it came out, but probably like two or three years later. How old was I? I was 10. I probably... Did I watch it when I was 10? Jesus Christ. I don't know. But I watched I it... nine then, so I probably didn't see it. I probably watched it when I was 12. Um, yeah, about the same for me. And I remember it did scare me. It actually did. <laughs> like, I think it's because, like we were talking about before, you're just the whole time you're using your imagination. You never see yeah. whatever it is that's that's haunting the house. And also at the time when I was a kid, like having a big, dark, empty house is spooky in itself. Yeah. And so when you're watching a movie where there's just like a camera slowly panning back and forth in this cold, big, empty house, like, and then you just, the door moves like an inch and you're like, oh! Yeah, I suppose that's kind of what they really play on more than anything. Is it's like that very primal fear of the dark, I guess. Yeah, and like you've you cannot 
have a conversation about horror without paranormal activity I feel at this point because since the first one came out I think there's like five or six of the paranormal activity films now yeah I've I've seen up to four I don't think I've seen after that I think there's Uh, actually only four oh well and I've seen them all (laughs) there's like there's the conjuring there's um mama there's hereditary there's there's so many that have sort of had like a moment in the sun since then that are ghost based like even things like the woman in black which i wouldn't really consider a scary movie it's more of a i mean i know it's about haunting and whatever but it just felt very tame yeah um and there's things like the haunting of thornhill whatever it is um the netflix show which is again obviously it's a haunting one so it's kind of i feel like this is the horror that we grew up on a lot more because it was like what was in the cinemas and that sort yeah. of stuff. So I think that's why I gravitate towards it because it feels nostalgic, maybe for me. Yeah, me too. Um, Hereditary was one of the more recent ones that kind of harkened back to this, like yeah, early uh, 2010s and late 2000s kind of vibe, but it like was way scarier than any of yeah, anything from was. back then. It definitely was. And I actually like that's one of the few mu- movies that's actually scared me in a long time. It was very I was very impressed. Yeah, I I definitely felt the same way about Hereditary. I was I kind of went into it expecting it to not really be that scary either, but it was and like like you said like I was definitely impressed that I went in there and actually felt something yeah and just like oh that was cute <laughs> yeah like the thing if you ever i'm sure some of you listening have watched uh horror movies with me like when i watch them i will jump at the jump scares and yeah i will be like oh you know um because music first of all and just the loudness of the sounds and everything like will make me jump um but it doesn't really scare me if that makes any sense at all um but hereditary actually like got into my brain a little bit and spooked me which i liked yeah and i feel like kind of related to this like in my notes there's within the paranormal activity there's also the sort of the additional either subgenre or trope of like possession and um things through like the devil and demonic forces there's usually like some kind of Catholic element to these. Um, so examples of these sorts of films, you've got like The Nun, which um I watched with my mum actually, and we both didn't find it very scary. Veronica that we mentioned before had a lot of Catholicism in it, The Exorcist, Exorcism of Emily Rose as well. Um, they're all films that have they are paranormal, but unlike say paranormal activity, which just focuses more just on the idea that there's a malevolent ghost. Mm-hmm. But they go that extra step and it's no, it's like demonic. Um, and I always find those films quite interesting because, I mean, for those of people who don't know me, I come from like a religious studies background. Um, I'm definitely a religion nerd. So that sort of depiction of religion and this sort of almost medieval understanding of like good and evil through like a Christian lens is very interesting for me i mean maybe i'm the only person sat there sort of thinking about that when i'm watching these films (laughs) no i i think about that too especially from my background i was raised catholic in a catholic house and 
um, went to Catholic school until I was 12, until I was in seventh grade. And I think that these movies, the paranormal movies that have like a religious element, mostly Catholicism, um, are really successful because so many people have like religious like backgrounds or like people in their lives who are religious and so it kind of makes it seem or feel more real to them yeah not to mention mention the catholic church like does do exorcisms like it doesn't it doesn't mean that there's like that demons are real or people can actually be like possessed but like it doesn't um take away from the fact that the catholic church like has always done exorcisms and it just makes it that much creepier well it's like the exorcism of emily rose is based loosely on a case where a girl in germany was allegedly possessed and the catholic church sent a exorcist to see the situation and she died as a result and there was an inquest into a death so you know there's definitely there's maybe more sort of historical source material to go off as well that yeah. makes those films maybe a bit more fleshed out i think that the um the thing that i always find a bit difficult in those films and it's not always the case but um there's often this in this sort of good evil dichotomy there's a bit of a misrepresentation of like paganism and wicker and things like that to be like dangerous and um there's a history in the Western world, even like from like the fifties and sixties, of like satanic panics where people who sort of exist on the fringes of society's religious ideals don't really have the best time of things. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't think people are leaving those films thinking, "Oh, well, all this was a hundred percent true, and witches are evil, and they could, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff." But I just think it's it would be interesting and maybe a bit refreshing to see a film in this kind of genre not rely on the trope that Catholic is good, non-Catholic is bad. And I say that with a lot of Catholic school trauma, so maybe that's just my own (laughs) background. But I still do enjoy those films. I enjoy them too. I was going to just mention that The Conjuring 3 is was so disappointing for me because it played into that exact thing of the satanic panic, and it turned uh, those two... That couple, Ed and Lorraine, the um, one of them yeah. was the exorcist and one of them was the clairvoyant. It turned them into like heroes, and the story was all about them and how they were like stomping down Satan and like stomping down the evil. And it just, it was so disappointing to me. And it's so, I just feel like that whole like Satan trope. I think that movie really was bad for that. Like, and it's just yeah. so. It's just so tired. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. And I think the thing that makes me roll my eyes more than anything as well is that when films touch on Satanism or like devil worship, it's very far removed from what actual Satanism looks like. Like a majority of Satanists don't even believe that the devil's a real thing. Yeah. And a lot of people now in 2022, like not everybody for sure, but a lot of people understand that. And that's why I was like, why did this movie that like, came out so recently totally missed the mark i don't know i mean i guess part of it is that it's like convenient yeah i think that's what i mean it's like it's easy yeah like it's it's kind of been there done that and um i feel like a film that 
it's not in this same genre, but kind of touched on these themes and brings into like what I was going to talk about next. Um, Midsummer kind of touched on those themes and did it in quite an interesting way. Yeah, I mean, it's a very interesting horror film in general because of the whole thing of it being in daylight and the whole point of the film being that like horror still can happen in the day as well as the night. Yeah, but obviously, for those of you who haven't seen Midsummer, it it's what you'd make call like a wrong turn, or like trip gone wrong style horror movie, where a boop, a boop, <laughs> a group <laughs> of people from America travel to northern Sweden to take part in a midsummer festival with a group of people who are kind of based on the Sami, who are an ethnic group from northern Sweden, like Norway, Finland. But as the name suggests, the genre suggests trip gone wrong. They don't just sit around drinking like strawberry wine, braiding each other's hair and dancing around a maypole. Some of those things happen, (laughs) but there's also death. Yes, there's death. There's like weird torture thingies that happen, rituals. It's very cool. It almost to me, it felt like they towed the right kind of line between touching on non-Christian or non-Western religious tradition yeah. In horror, while at the same time, I felt like there was a lot of explanation that these things have meaning, and maybe that's because the characters were anthropologists. So, sort of part of the film was learning about the way of life and not just witnessing these things that we feel are horrors. Yeah, I think it that's was... what made it more interesting, also more scary. Yeah, I think Midsommar like touched on a lot of really cool aspects. Like it was like a cult movie it's a wrong turn trip gone wrong movie and it's also like a revenge story which i really like a lot of like wrong turn trip gone wrong stories kind of end up being revenge stories they absolutely do like i mean the film wrong turn um which i actually watched recently for the second time that plot basically dissolves into a revenge flick and i think the thing that i because i quite like wrong turn um films i think that i quite like them because they feel a bit more real yeah and they kind of play on some of the elements that you may like from slashes like the familiarity of like the group format and like the cabin in the woods sort of feel mm-hmm. but Instead of it being like a, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing, which is a guy with a chainsaw hacking into people, they usually focus around like their inter- people interact with like a group or like a paranormal creature. So like maybe like a Slenderman situation. I think that like that's what I like more is that it has extra layers to it. Yeah. I haven't seen Wrong Turn in a long time. Maybe I'll watch that tonight. Oh, you absolutely should. And like the other film that I noted down here a little break through these subgenres is the descent. Um, we'll definitely talk about that a bit more later. But um, that's like I think that sort of epitomizes all the things that I love about this type of horror film mm-hmm. because I often find these films actually scare me the most. And I think it's because I feel like I can picture myself in the shoes of these people a lot more. Yeah, I agree. The descent is a classic. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. Do you want to maybe introduce us to some of the next ones? 
Sure. Yeah. So we have a uh, psychological horror is another genre we touched on uh, lightly that I said was my favorite. And I think Adam did too. Um, yeah. So obviously this, this plays a lot on the, the mental aspects of horror and a lot of people wouldn't really consider it to be horror. Some people would say they're thrillers, um, but they do incorporate a lot of other genres into them. And I think that's true of a lot of these categories is there's a lot of overlap. And yeah. so it's, it's kind of hard to like parcel them into um, different genres. But it, for the most part, these are movies like Saw, Silence of the Lambs, Single White Female, The Lodge, even though The Lodge can be you can argue that that is more of a a uh, like paranormal slash religious like undertone movie. And you can honestly say that like Saw's a slasher as well, just for the pure amount of violence and in those films. I think that um, I mean, there's things like Sleeping with the Enemy, even like which I don't think anyone really considered to be a horror, but have moments that make you feel very on edge. It's um, I think psychological horror films. Like, because of things like American Psycho as well, they mm. they explore horror in a very different way. I think, like, they almost have their origins like Hitchcock's films and where suspense is the main ingredient that makes these films so successful. Yeah, I agree. And I would even put... Would you put Bob, The Babadook into psychological horror? I mean... I- Honestly, yeah, I would. Because if you look at the sort of the context of that film, what it's actually about is definitely about, it's definitely a psychological horror yeah. because that film is based so much on the character's perceptions of what they're seeing rather than actually experience. Because, like, I know that it's one of your top films. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong on this because I've only seen it two or three times. But... If I'm correct, we don't even have confirmation that in the Babadook, the Babadook himself is actually real or not. Yeah, it's my understanding. I think they kind of leave it up to your interpretation, but it's my understanding that it's more of like a metaphor for like her own, the uh, protagonist's like trauma in her life. It's like creeping back up on her and she's trying to ignore it and everything. And I yeah. think it's just literally all in her head. Um, and I'm sorry to we don't want to spoil it but in the end she kind of figures out that she can't kill whatever this thing is she just has to like know that it's there like acknowledge it and work with it and uh so i think it's definitely a psychological psychological horror yeah i mean like there's there's so much to explore in psychological horror as well i think that um I think they're definitely some of my favorites as well, because even if they might not necessarily all fit so neatly into the what maybe I don't know, like Netflix would call a horror film, like making a horror playlist or something like that. I think that because I feel the most strong emotions and sort of adrenaline watching these films most of that time most of the time. Out of like all the ones we talked about, these are the ones that consistently I sort of have the most sort of emotional response to. I think that that does kind of make them horror because things like Silence of the Lambs, even though I've watched that film countless times, I still feel like on the edge of my seat watching the twists and turns. Yeah, me too. Which there's other films that we talked about that I may have watched a few times. And even if they're considered to be more sort of 
classically horror, I wouldn't have that same kind of experience with. Yeah, I'm the same. Um, another genre that does creep me out, it used to like actually scare me a lot more, is the home invasion genre. Yeah. Um, the name, the title of the genre is like pretty self explanatory, but um, a series that's popular with the home invasion genre is like The Purge. There's also um, Don't Breathe and Hush and Last House on the Left, which Last House on the Left, I actually love that movie. It's also a I've revenge story. It. It's really good. I think you would really like it. Um, that's another one someone might consider like a thriller. And I put it in the yeah. home invasion genre because it's not like it's not like hush where someone like breaks into the house you know but it's yeah it's kind of hard to explain but basically eventually people these bad people end up in the woman's house and it you know they're in her world right okay i kind of find that with home invasion i find them to be really hit or miss like i'm not gonna lie the purge to me was a bit blunt yeah like not even lena Headey could save it for me I honestly think The Purge is trash. Yeah, I've not seen any of the sequels. Like, I know there's election year, and I think there's, like, other ones as well. I've never bothered to watch them. But um, I think the concept is really interesting as well. Like, the whole premise of, like, there being this national purge is really interesting. But I don't think I'd have taken that and used it to talk about home invasion. I think I'd have maybe touched on a different genre that that we'll talk about in a minute for that kind of concept of being like a national purge. Uh, but um, I think that um, they kind of, like you said, they kind of touch on like the psychological aspects a lot because obviously the thing that makes them so scary is that most of the time you watch horror films at home. Yeah. And the idea that someone breaks into your house, especially if you like me and Cherish and you live alone, like whatever comes your way, you've got to deal with yourself. Yeah, exactly. Like it touches on something that's very realistic like people get their home yeah. breaking into all the time and so that's the kind of genre that makes you want to lock all your doors and windows every night like a little routine um, yeah i mean i guess as well they kind of differ from like the paranormal activity kind of films as well because most home invasion films don't really hinge on anything supernatural yeah which like obviously anything that's based on more plausible events is like more spooky in a way because it's like well shit this could actually happen yeah exactly i think because in real life like the scariest being is the human being i know that was super yeah. deep <laughs> but it's true though Hmm. yeah so yeah i feel like with um the concept of the purge though this like it kind of ties neatly into the next sort of subgenre that i wrote down in a little thing here about dystopian or like zombie movies mm-hmm. it's like again these might be things that people don't always consider to be horror horror but um and it's also it's a very broad one because as if they focus on like the end of the world like some kind of like zombie outbreak there's all different sorts of ways you can get to that destination or that setting um it's like there's they basically share the commonality that they all look at civilization and like it being the end of the world as we know it. And it's like a lot of the time it's things like the zombie apocalypse. I think there's ones like nuclear winters have been like fairly popular from time to time. I imagine they were 
probably kind of popular ones in the 80s and 90s when there was still like the Soviet Union and the US kind of at loggerheads of each other. But um, it did actually get a lot of popularity around the millennium. Hmm. Um, and interestingly, there was sort of a, a rapid like increase in cult activity around the millennium as well because people were terrified of like Y2K. And like a lot of, you would call them millenarian cults or like groups of people that believe the millennium equals the end of the world that become violent to either speed that up or to save themselves from it. Like that was a massive thing in the nineties. And obviously our media represent sort of reflects what's going on in our lives. But um, I actually really like these as well. I enjoy dystopia ones. It's like yeah. 28 Days Later is a great one. We already talked about Bird Box. A Quiet Place gets thrown in the conversation a lot with Bird Box as well because they're basically the same film, just with like different... Mm. Senses? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> I love zombie dystopian movies. I think part of it is you like can imagine, okay, what would I do in this situation? Like, what would I do to survive? Would I just trip on a rock and hit my head and die on accident like probably would happen to me or would I be smart and like stockpile things and like what would I do differently from the people in the movie to survive Mm. and you think how long could I survive and it's just like it's fun to me I also love the makeup yeah I like that um I enjoy the different sorts of interpretations of zombies as well yeah you don't get many now where it's like, you know, the sort of the cartoony zombie where they walk really slowly. Like, they're yeah. always fast looking like these zombie movies. Yeah, because there's different types of zombies. Like, there's the classic one where it's literally like people coming out of the grave. Like, they're just dead people that yeah. have risen. And then there's the more like recent kind of zombie where it's like some kind of plague that spreads and then yeah. people it's like a medical thing that causes everybody to be zombie-ish. Obviously kind of become a lot more relevant in the past few years with the pandemic. True. I saw somewhere that the film Contagion like was the most like streamed film of like 2020 or something like that or like one of the most streamed films of 2020 and I'm like (laughs) I I mean I completely get it. Yeah me too. That that says a lot about what was going on at the time. Um, I think another... Honorable mention, sorry. Um, no, go ahead. Is Cloverfield, that series, is so good as a yes. dystopian zombie, like, apocalypse movie series. Yeah, and I think that, like, for me as well, one of my favourite parts of, I mean, randomly, a lot of religious studies talk coming into this podcast. I apologise. But, like, one of my favourite parts of, like, learning about religions is eschatology, which is, like, what religions think about the end of the world. Mm. And I just find the whole concept of an apocalypse to be very interesting. And, I mean, I could sit here and say, like, oh, I'll do this to survive and that to survive. But, honestly, if there's a mushroom cloud, I'm just running towards it because I don't want to deal with it. I know. I've thought about this so many times. Like, I would probably just, like, either do something stupid and die, like I said earlier, like, trip over a rock Mm. and die. Or I would just, like, kill myself um, to just end the misery. (laughs) Because I always kind of think in those films, like Bird Box, 28 Days Later, um, Train to Busan, which is a Korean film, which is really good, actually. Um, I would just think, okay, so you get to safety, like, because they're always, like, trying to get, like, some kind of safe point in these films. You get there, 
eventually they find a cure and whatever, but then, like, what's next? Like, the world is going to be crap. Yeah, and, like, like, maybe they never find a cure. You, you don't know that. Or maybe they find a cure the day after you kill yourself. <laughs> but Yeah, that's the thing, that you just don't know. And I just think... I mean, I don't know how I would actually react until this happens, which, for all we know, it could happen at some point. I mean, the way that things are going in the UK right now, I would be surprised if a zombie outbreak is the next thing this island has in store. <laughs> exactly. That's the next thing uh, on my 2022 bingo card. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> you know, it would start somewhere like sodding Birmingham or somewhere like that. Just like <laughs> ran- random-ass suburb in Birmingham, like all of a sudden, then zombies everywhere. Not the Birmingham slander. <laughs> I like. Okay, so what is your zombie apocalypse survival plan? So you have to survive. You haven't got the kill yourself option. Dang it. Okay. Um. Let's see. There are these psycho people in Idaho who have bunkers, like they're doomsday preppers. I think they're called. Oh um, yeah. First, I would go there. Kill whoever owns <laughs> whoever owns the bunker and take it over. I think that would be the best plan. I don't have to do any work for myself. Um oh, I wouldn't get on a plane. I feel like that never ends well in movies. Um I wouldn't if I had a big boat to get on, I would try to do that. Uh but I think the most logical thing for me to do in Idaho is to like try to find one of these already made underground bunkers. What would you do? I think that like so I watched 28 Days Later recently and I was thinking right if if it doesn't start in the UK then the mo- the first place is going to be is London, right? Yeah. So my thought would be like right, well I've got to go as north as I can get. So my first thing would be like right, let's get the nearest and dearest and let's just head to like northern Scotland. And then from there, I'd be like, right, we probably want to aim to get off the island of Great Britain. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, we're not a very big country. And if it's like, that's one thing about being an island. It's like, you're like, well, they can just blow up the Eurotunnel and that's it. And no one's getting here unless <laughs> you stay. So, true. But I feel like I would um, then be like, right, let's try and maybe either aim for like Ireland, like one of the outer Scottish islands, or Iceland. Uh, I was thinking about like, Iceland. Yeah, I'm like, right, I just need to get as far away from, like, a big population centre as I can. Or what about, like, Svalbard, the island of... Oh, my God, yes. In I, Norway. I saw this girl called Cecilia. Me too! <laughs> I am obsessed with her, and her dog is the most adorable oh, thing ever. So cute. Grim. <laughs> I would die for that dog. I'm not even exaggerating. She makes life on the island look so cool. She really does, honestly. Like, shall we? Shall we move to Svalbard? Should that be yeah. the actual? Plan? Not there's I no mean, zombie puppets. Let's just go there. You don't have to have any special visas. I've looked into it. <laughs> like, I don't even. <laughs> I don't even have to get a visa. You just have to prove that you like can make can earn money, and then you can just move there. Oh my god, I live for that. See, that's actually so tempting because it looks so cute and idyllic. I know, but I was thinking as soon as we get there. I feel like we would get bored after a while. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's very tiny and uninhabited and cold. And And also, I mean, the chances of me meeting anybody on an island that small. Yeah. 
I mean, it would be hard for you, but it would be impossible for me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but anyway, maybe Svalbard is a zombie escape plan anyway. Yeah, I think so. That's a good idea. Because really, in the apocalypse, my first thought isn't going to be like, where am I getting dick from? <laughs> it'll be my first thought, because it'll be my last um, action. To be fair, though, it also might actually be my thought, because I'm like, right, how can I utilize the few tools that I have and the skills that I can offer to survive? Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. If I was like, if I found a bunker, I'd be like, right, I'm going to be a bunker bride now. Yeah, I would honestly like find somebody with a a puddle hopper, like plane or something, and work my feminine magic, which probably wouldn't work with my luck. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I would give it the old college try. Maybe someone could fly me to Svalbard. That's, see, not a bad idea. I think that this, see, me and Cherish, we're going to be fine. Yeah. We'll be absolutely fine. But, um... Taking a bit of a left turn from that detail. <laughs> um, how do you feel about found footage films? I like found footage films, generally speaking. Um, I think the idea of it is really cool. Like, it makes it seem more realistic uh, in a yeah. way. Sometimes I like horror movies because of the cinematography. So if you're looking for cinematography, found footage isn't really... Uh, where you want to start looking because it's supposed to just be like made by a novice usually um and i think it's successful in a lot of ways too just because you're like the whole idea is that something happened and then someone found whatever footage that was created and now they're watching it in horror it's kind of like it's not like breaking the fourth wall but it's it's kind of leaning that way yeah it's um it's one of my favorite because uh, it's more it's not necessarily a genre as much as it's a style of filming, I guess. Yeah. But um I see I really love the Blair Witch Project, which is like the kind of the first film that did it and got big. I don't know if it's like the first found footage horror, but it was like the first one that was kind of well known. And some people really don't like that film because they don't find it like very scary and whatever. And like I get that it's not necessarily the most it's a, a, I suppose it's more like a psychological, like paranormal versus like slasher gore kind of thing again. Like you don't really see the the witch at all, but I found the Blair Witch Project terrifying, and I actually watched it on my own mm-hmm. when I was like fifteen. When I had like a empty house, watched it in my bedroom, and it was like pissing it down outside. I remember, and it scared me shitless. And like very few horror films do. Wow, yeah, I remember, I know that that's one of your favorites, and I think the first time I watched it was when I was with you. I didn't watch it till I was like oh, nineteen really? or twenty. Yeah, like I just I don't know why it just wasn't on my radar. Um, and so I I like it. I like that movie. I think it's good. Um, it doesn't really scare me as much though. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that makes it so scary for me. Is I feel like the Blur Witch Project does something very successful. Is that like the performances that they, even though the actors aren't very well known, I feel like the cast are actually very believable. And I think because it feels pretty logical, they don't really make many of the same dumb decisions that a lot of like is kind of common for horror movies. And I think because it's found footage as well, it just felt a lot more real. Yeah. And that's 
kind of where it really touches a nerve for me, I guess. I mean, there's like there's other ones as well, like As Above, So Below mm-hmm. um, is another one that's really well known. Um, I don't know if it's really well known, but it's like a well known example of fan footage. And that's another one of my favorites as well. And that touches on actually like the demonic side of stuff as well, because it's loosely based on stuff to do with Dante's Inferno. Yeah, I just rewatched that one. I remember when I first watched it, I think it was in theaters. Um, and these movies are always better in theaters with the surround sound. Yeah, of course. Um, but I just watched it like three nights ago <laughs> and mm. it was like not as scary as I remember, but it still holds up and I just wish the ending was better. I don't know if you remember the ending, but it's just like a, and then it ends and everybody's okay and it's fine. Bye-bye. Yeah. The ending did let me down. I remember that. I watched it for the first time, um, honestly, fairly recently. I want to say like within like the last two years. Um, but I really enjoyed it as well because, God, I'm going to sound like such a nerd in this episode. Um <laughs> I really enjoyed it because a lot of the stuff that they bring up in the film actually are mentioned in Dante's Inferno. Yeah. Um, which if anyone out there is, I mean, I assume most people have heard of Inferno. It's like quite a well-known text, but um, reading the divine comedy, I re- recently read it. Um, I've like read Inferno before, but I read the whole thing by the by Inferno is the best bit of it. Paradiso and Purgatorio are boring compar- comparatively. Yeah, I don't know, like, if everybody reads it in high school, but I know in, in my high school, we read it in class. It was pretty, I thought it was a good read. It was, it was sometimes, like, hard to get through the language, but yeah. um, I thought it was really cool. And I like that once you realize that's what it's about in the movie, like, when they're about to go through the tunnel and it says, abandon all hope ye who enter here above it. Yeah. Um, then you start to be like, oh, and things start to kind of make more sense. And it's more like yeah. fun and engaging if you've read, if you know what that book is or that story is. Yeah. The last kind of main type of horror film we wanted to talk about was like extreme horror. Yeah. Which is not necessarily a genre of itself, but more like a rating mm-hmm. of horror films. It's like, it's less specifically like there's not one common theme or approach but they're generally films that are quite extreme and they're not widely watched in the way that say like um found footage is or home invasion is like you know a lot of people seeing the purge a lot of people seeing cabin in the woods um or like poltergeist or whatever but a lot of the films that you'd maybe consider extreme horror aren't widely watched they may be fairly well known i mean i'd say the one that's probably the most well known is like human centipede yes Uh, but there's the ones like a serbian film which is quite well known um cannibal holocaust um there's and a lot of them they kind of push the boundary of what we would consider to necessarily be like appropriate but i have not seen any of those films i just mentioned um I've seen The Human Centipede. Uh, I wish I hadn't. I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like that's like, it's the first step into all these other films because it's, um, I think it's not considered as extreme as like, say like a Serbian film, like Cannibal Holocaust and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Would you ever be interested to watch any of those films? Honestly, no. Like, 
I think that's even for me, like, I'm like, Ooh, I want to be truly scared and everything. But I think that there is a line for me that should, that I don't want to personally cross. Like, I don't want to see, like, there's a lot of things that happen to babies in horror films that don't bother me really. Uh, Makes me sound like a psycho, but I don't want to watch something that is like extreme when it comes to like babies and children and infants. And it's not just, killing them it's like all kinds of different like torturous horrible things that happens to babies in these movies and i just think sometimes there's a line where it goes too far into like horror porn like that's that's the thing there's that aspect of it for me that it just feels like it's almost like how far can we push the envelope and like truly like disgust people and I'm not interested in I'm not interested in watching a film that's going to make me feel uncomfortable, if that makes sense. Or like I don't want to watch a film where I'm watching it and like I'm not scared as much as I'm just disgusted that people actually wanted to put this to film. I know that a lot of the extreme horror films, they um they kind of enter like snuff territory. Yes. Thank you. Snuff. That's the word I was looking for. Which um is is just not something I ever want to entertain because even if it's like completely fictional and whatever, the thing that gets me is like those films are inspired by actual things that exist like on the dark web, and I just don't want to feed into anything like that. Um, and there's a reason why these films are considered like extreme, and a lot of the times like the banned or restricted. Like you're not gonna find these films on Netflix and stuff like that. Um. I've read some of the like, the synopses of like what you could consider extreme horror films on like Wikipedia and stuff like that because it's like curiosity kills the cat sometimes. Yeah. Um. And honestly, from what I've read, I'm like, you know what, I'm good. Yeah. I think it's interesting that we have that like line, you know, because yeah, we can suspend disbelief, you know, for a lot of these genres and horror films that we watch but i really just don't want to like watch something that i know is definitely happening in real life in yeah and you can find like real videos of this shit like somewhere on the dark web yeah i don't want to be like am i watching something illegal happening here like i just don't want to have that really dark dark thoughts in my mind like i've never seen any of those things in real life thank god yeah um like i know people who have like seen stuff on the dark web and you know i just think it i'm not interested in actually indulging someone else's suffering exactly because um, part of what i enjoy about horror films is that i know it's not real yeah exactly and like even though with like horror films like home invasion films like thrillers like Things like Sleeping with the Enemy on, like, the sort of the tamer end or, like, no, say, The Descent, which really does still scare me. Um, you know, even though they feel real, I still know that they're not real. Mm-hmm, exactly. And I just think that with the extreme horror, I just wonder kind of what's the point of even making those films because they don't have such an audience that, you know, it's not like, it's not like, say, art films or, like, sort of indie movies that are they're not widely watched but that's part of the whole point of them 
that these films are not trying to do anything particularly artistic. They're just trying to essentially, it's like, it's like you said, it's like horror porn in a way. Yeah. It makes me wonder. Oh, go ahead. I know, I, was gonna say, I know that as well, like um, Cannibal Holocaust, which is just one of the ones that like I wrote down because it's one of the few ones that came to mind. I know that in that film, and again, like I've never seen it, but I know that it was criticized or even banned in a lot of places because they actually show actual animal cruelty in the film, like oh. actual animals being hurt. And it's like you said about like babies and stuff like that. Like in, I've seen horror films where, like babies have been killed and stuff like that. I mean, I was watching American Horror Story earlier today, Coven. I was re-watching that at the moment. And one of the characters, Marie Laveau, has to give, like, a baby to, like, this voodoo deity, like, every year. Not blinking an eye. Yeah. Anything to do with animal cruelty, though, fictional or realistic, I'm just, I can't do it. Yeah, I'm the same. Like, I don't want to be wondering if this is actually happening, like, in the movie. Like, I want to know yeah. for sure that this is all just dramatization and like made up absolutely and like i think the only one that i would ever consider watching is human centipede because like i feel like it's just it's more shocking than it is like extreme maybe <laughs> yeah and it's very like memeable and yeah funny in ways like it's um it's infamy is partially because people are laughing at the film yeah exactly but like on the complete flip side of things though is like <laughs> you have like extreme horror but then you also have like comedy and like parody horror films like yeah very movie and stuff like that i love those films i think as a horror lover it's fun to like watch movies that poke fun at all of the tropes yeah. and all of the like shit that happens in the in the horror movies that we love like think about how uh dumb some of that shit is in reality yeah and like I put on like our notes like in question marks like does shark movies count as horror? It's mm-hmm. like a type of horror, like or like animal movies like Anaconda, um, with Jennifer Lopez in and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if I'd really consider them to be horror movies because to me they're all 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 of those but Jaws are like comedy movies yes. to me. Like <laughs> so, I don't know that like I would even really consider them to be horror, but like you do watch them and just laugh most of the time. Yeah, and I think, like, I know for a fact that the creators of, like, Sharknado, like, know that. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. doing it. No to... one's watching Sharknado seriously. No one's yeah. making that film seriously. I love um that genre of movie. There's also Zombiever. <laughs> yeah, there's one called Birdemic, which oh is, like, God. killer birds. I've never seen it, but um, our friend Jack has seen it. <laughs> Um. Oh, what's the other one? Oh, it's not like in the animal thing as well. But then there's like Zombieland with um. Oh yeah. Don't in it, which like it's not horror like at all, but obviously it uses the horror sort of tropes and the genre of like zombies and whatever. And that's more of a comedy than anything. Yeah, I agree. I think they use like, I think that one in Cabin in the Woods kind of used the horror part as like a backdrop to a different story which i think is really fun and it's there's a lot of good jokes and comedy parts in them too of course yeah and it's i think it's like the witch to kitsch sort of pipeline in a way Mm -hmm. like like if you go to salem in massachusetts today like there's just like witch like 
swag everywhere. Which swag? (laughs) 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 Sorry. That'll be my debut single, Witch Swag, coming out soon. (laughs) Check the airways for it. Um, I feel like the comedy horror films, they kind of play on that a lot. Because, like, we all know the... We all know, like, the common tropes that come up. We all know that, like, the children of the corn trope. We all know about, like, the the virgin that lives at the end. You know, like, whatever. Yeah. We all know these sorts of things, and they just take the piss out of them. And I think because we're so familiar with them, that's what makes it so successful. Yeah, it just, like, it really amps up all of those tropes. It also amps up, like, the stupidity of people, of people in horror movies, too, which is so funny. It's, like, satisfying in a way to be like, okay, someone knows, like, that it's ridiculous. Like, Yeah, I think, like, Scary Movie was definitely the most... Like the biggest one of these, but yeah. honestly, things like Final Destination to me, which just feel like comedy, because mm-hmm. those films are so bad. Like, I'm sorry, yeah. but they're so bad. And I know that there's at least the first few were like taking it seriously, but like yeah. I just can't take them seriously. They're just too funny. I know. I love. That's another thing. There's like a little subset of horror movies that I consider to be comedy, and they definitely yeah. were not intended to be. <laughs> but I have a special place in my heart for those like really bad horror movies that I think are funny. Yeah, there's definitely quite a few that I can think of that I found funnier than I did anything else. Yeah. <laughs> but like the one that springs to mind the most is like Final Destination. Like they definitely, to me, they're just more laughable. And to be honest, a lot of the paranormal activity movies as well just feel like funnier to me than anything. Mm-hmm. If I know that uh Many of you listening will probably have never heard of this movie, but there's a movie called Creature of Darkness that me and my sister, we went to Redbox uh, to rent a horror movie back when we were young. Is this and, like a blockbuster sort of thing? Uh, no, it's actually a vending machine where you oh. get DVDs out of it and you return them after however long you want. You pay like a certain amount a day per movie. Oh right, okay. So it's like a blockbuster vending machine. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, we don't have those here. Or we didn't have them here. So we used to rent horror movies out of those things all the time, and they were usually really shit. But there, we ended up getting one. And when we were getting the DVD, the screen popped up and was like, "Hey, we have a DVD that you can just keep if you want." And we were like, "Okay, this is weird." And so. We got this second DVD with the one that we rented, and it was called Creature of Darkness. And I do not know like where this movie came from. It honestly, it's so bad that I it's almost like it was like a student student film or something. I don't know how it ended up in Redbox. It's about like teenagers getting lost in Area 51 and having a alien like hunt them down, basically. <laughs> and the effects are horrible the acting is even worse the plot like almost makes zero sense and it just has like it makes me and my sister literally have like guttural like gut laughs it is that funny and i highly recommend any of you if you can find it somewhere you should watch it because now we found it somehow somewhere else and me and my sister each have a copy because we just really like it that much <laughs> it's almost like a comfort watch at this point yeah, it's hilarious. 
I've not seen many alien films, actually. The one that I've seen that stood out to me was The Fourth Kind, which you yes. recommended to me. I think we may have watched it together, actually. Yeah, I remember, um, like... That one was good. Yeah, I, I like that one. I literally thought... I watched it when I was too young, again. And I literally thought it was, like, real, because I thought at the beginning of movies when they say based on a true story that it actually is based on a true story and it said like yeah. these we're gonna show side-by-side footage of like the real footage and i i took that like to be legit <laughs> and the side-by-side footage of the real footage or whatever was not was also fake <laughs> there's one that i'm thinking of now i can't remember what it was called but i watched it um Again, not too long ago, it was um with my ex, so that's at least over the, like the last two three years, um with Nicolas Cage in it, and like oh. oh, it actually was like Ghost Rider. No, it was like less known than that. Oh, it was like a bit. It was like a random film. Um, oh, I think it was called Color Out of Space. Hmm. Let me just, I'm looking it up on Wikipedia now um, to see. There was like random alpacas in the film. So if I see anything <laughs> to do with alpacas in this, and I know that it's right. Or llamas or whatever they were. <laughs> yeah, it was this, right? So it's weird. So it's like there's, they live in this like house out in, I don't know, like the countryside. And there's a little meteor that crashes in like their yard. Mm-hmm. And it's like it has this interesting color, and then this color starts spreading around and mutating things around it. And I wouldn't even know if I'd call it a horror mm-hmm. film, but it was weird. It was very interesting, though. Um, so I'd definitely recommend giving it a watch if you can find it somewhere. Ah, see here, it's based on a Lovecraft story. So if that tells you anything for people who are familiar <laughs> with Lovecraft. Um. Very interesting, though. Very ooky, spooky, kooky. Um, so, yeah, that's another alien one that kind of sprung to mind. So now we've talked about different types of horror films and we've explored a lot of different genres, talked about a few films that stand out to us. We're actually going to run through our top three horror films. Now, this is definitely difficult. And I have talked about, I think we've actually mentioned all of mine already. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm going to go with what I'd say is like my third place. And that's okay. the Blur Witch Project. So I think that there's on paper a lot of films that are better than this. And there's films that are kind of in the horror space like Carrie, which is a really strong favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. But I would put this above those just on the base of how much it did actually scare me. Like I watched this film and felt genuinely really scared like i'm pretty sure when i watched it i put the light the light on at night to sleep (laughs) yeah that's a really good one i like the blair witch project too um it was also really hard for me to pick my top three like i could have picked a top 10 because i've just seen so many oh yeah Um, i definitely could have done top 10 easy but i think my third place is barbarian which is actually a really new one I just watched it in theaters not too long ago. I highly recommend. I think it even might still be in theaters. Um, It kind of plays into like home invasion and like 
culty slash incesty kind of things and it was just it had a lot of funny moments too which i like in horror movies and it was actually just like really creepy and it was just good it, it i wouldn't say it scared me shitless but it's just a really good horror film so i highly recommend anybody to watch it i don't want to give up yeah. too much because it's such a new movie yeah please don't because i haven't seen it yet and it oh, sounds yeah. like if it's in your top three then i trust it'll be good because i know that you're a hard gal to please when it comes to horror movies yeah let me know if you watch it Oh, like, I definitely will do. I may even watch it tomorrow. Like I said at the start of the pod, I'm off this week. In my second place is one of the ones that we said maybe isn't strictly a horror film. It's more of a thriller horror, but I don't care. And it's Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. That film has had, like, such an impact on, like, my life. (laughs) To me, it's, like, the perfect film in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. because the cast is amazing. Like, no one can refute that the casting of that film is fantastic. The story, even though it's actually a sequel, which a lot of people don't realise, is a sequel to the book and the film Red Dragon. It stands perfectly well on its own, hence why it's, like, far bigger than the film that came before it. I feel like it's just, even though it's not necessarily the scariest, like, I don't watch it and feel afraid, it's just such a compelling story. And I feel like in a way as well, Gay people especially are really connected to that film, which is interesting because a lot of the time, at least when it came out, people thought like Buffalo Bill was like a trans person. That's what a trans person was like. Even though the film, they make it clear that Buffalo Bill is not trans or represents yeah. trans people. They even say in the film, that's very spelled out. But I feel like people just really connected to the story and maybe honestly the fact that there's a strong female lead who's very independent. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's I I just love Silence of the Lambs, and me and Charish were talked about getting the moth from the film poster, and they include it in the film as well. I forget the name of the actual species of moth right now, but basically, we've talked about getting that as a tattoo, and uh, I think we will do at some point in time. Yes, we will. That's gonna be my next tattoo, probably. I love Silence of the Lambs as well. That's one of my, that's in my top, like, favorite movies of all time. Like, one of them. Like, across all genres. Um, I just yeah, love it. Like you said, it's like a perfect movie. That being said, my second place for in my top three is Hereditary. We talked about it before. I just think, like, it's one of the, I hadn't been actually, like, spooked, like, scared by a movie in so long until I saw hereditary and i think it just plays on so many like things that scare people like in my mind especially and one of them is just like literally something we all go through and will go through in our life which is like grief and just death your own family and how that can play on your psyche and like make you say and do like fucked up shit and it would actually be like horrific to lose a family member, especially in the crazy, in a crazy accident or something like that. So that's what I really like about hereditary. And it actually, it also has like the cult and like paranormal side of it too, which I, which is like perfect for me. But my all time top pick ever, I don't think this will change very easily is the descent. Yes. I love the descent. 
the descent to me is just it touches on so many things that I personally find scary. The idea of going spelunking to me is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Anything to do with caves, really, I'm not into it. Um, and it's not even a claustrophobia thing for me because I'm not claustrophobic, but I just I think I don't like the idea that in a cave there's just so many variables that can go wrong. Yeah. And to kind of talk about the film a little bit more, because we've we talked about it a bit, but I want give to it, give it the time it deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those of you that haven't seen it, spoiler alert. I mean, we should probably put a spoiler alert at the beginning of this episode anyway, just yeah. to certify. True. Um, the, um, the Descent focuses on a party of people, a bunch of young women who come from a lot of different countries, actually, I remember. I think it was like an Irish one, a Swedish one, an American one, a Scottish one. Mm-hmm. Very international cast. Um, and they go spelunking in a cave system that they think is well known, but the like leader of the group takes them to a place that's unexplored or poorly explored, even as we find out in the later in the film. And shit goes wrong fast. And when things get bad, they get worse because in this cave, there's a bunch of I wouldn't even know if you would describe them as humanoid, but just that shit crazy monsters that eat everyone. And when, <laughs> I always hate that when you describe the plot of The Descent, it sounds like it would be like so lame. Mm-hmm. But it's so fast paced. It's got so many jump scares in it. And honestly, the emotional side of it as well, like the backstory that they weave into the film and the relationship between the two main characters mm-hmm. makes it such a great movie. And it's, of all horror films, it's the one that I can watch time and time again and I will still feel scared. Yeah, The Descent was my honourable mention because I also love that movie. I had only seen it once and it was years before me and Adam watched it together. And I think it was the first time Adam had seen it when we watched it. Yeah, I hadn't ever seen it until we watched it together. And I think the thing that made The Descent so impactful for me as well is like, as we said earlier on, me and Cherish had watched so many horror films at that point in such quick succession, and none of them were hitting at all. So when The Descent came along, it just hit so different. Yeah. That it's That is actually, it's in my top 10 favorite films of all time. Like, not wow. even just horror. Mm-hmm. I think more people need to be talking about The Descent. That's definitely a very, it like... It to get its flowers more than it does. Yeah. Um... So my top one uh, favorite horror film that I like currently is The Babadook. And I get a lot of like, there's a lot of mixed reviews on The Babadook. A lot of people are like, it's not scary. But we talked about before, my favorite genre is psychological horror. Um, And I talked about how The Babadook is like, it's all like in made up kind of in her head. And it's like, yeah, she's seeing these things that are happening to her, but it's all like manifestations of her subconscious because she's been through some trauma, the uh, protagonist. Um, and just like, even though I've seen it and I know that my interpretation is that this is all from her mind, like there are still some really scary, like visual things that happen in the movie. And um it also has aspects of like real life dealing with grief and everything like that too um 
I think for me, because the Babadook was one that I sort of played and toyed around with having my top three, it's definitely in my top five or ten. I think the thing that makes it so impactful as well is that the whole crux of the film beyond like the Babadook itself um, and its role within the plot is just you feel the lead actress's stress and her tiredness so much. Like you really believe she's going through it. Because also, I was saying this to Cherish before, if anyone is on the fence about having kids, watch the Babadook. It will make you so anti-kid so quickly. I already do not want kids. I don't like kids. Keep your children away from me. I do not want to babysit. But that film is just an extra dose of child-free mentality because the kid in the film, I know the kid is going through a lot. I believe the kid (laughs) may even have some sorts of neurological issues in the film. I don't remember. But the kid tests your patience so fucking much it is a great form of birth control it's also weirdly enough um maybe this says something about me but i used to watch the babadook or i used to put it on every night to go to sleep to yeah i remember you telling me that like one of the first things you said when we met and i was just like okay and i woke up to a one the last time i put it on when i was like going to sleep I woke up to a really loud part in like a scary, a scary mm. part of the movie, which I don't want to reveal. Um, but it was like, okay, I just came to the realization. I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, why would I put, why would I put this on to like play into my ears and in, into my brain when I'm sleeping? Like, maybe this isn't the best like choice for me <laughs> so i don't watch i don't put horror on to sleep to anymore well see i actually have a bit of an interesting tidbit like this mm-hmm. so i'm i've definitely told you this before but um you know basically i dream about jurassic park at least like once or twice a week <laughs> like i watched it a lot as a kid but it just sometimes i have dreams and it's not like the dream is oh i'm in jurassic park and i've got to deal with the dinosaurs Sometimes it's just the backdrop of like an otherwise normal dream. It's very weird. But I listened to the audiobook. Um, I listen to a lot of audiobooks to sleep too. Like once I've read a book on Audible, like once, I usually have it in a regular rotation. There's some that I listen to more than others. I listen to like Americana by Chimamanda Gwazidiche a lot, The Help a lot, um, The Crazy Rotations books a lot. Because those are all stories that I'm just very familiar with anyway. Um, yeah. But Jurassic Park is one of the ones that I have in rotation quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And the film is definitely more like an action film. The book is definitely more of a horror. Like, it's actually quite oh. scary. Mm-hmm. The story is... It, the film is quite close to the book. But, um, or at least the first film is. The second film and the second book differ quite a bit. Um, but just the way that Michael Crichton actually describes the scenes and tells the story, it feels a lot more like a horror mm. than... Um, than the film does and sometimes i'll just wake up in the middle of the night and have it on and it's just like oh the velociraptors are just tearing this person apart now and it's like you said like you just wake up and like what am i doing yeah and i sit there and think no wonder i dream about this fucking film all the time (laughs) no wonder i have sleep paralysis i'm watching the babadook god (laughs) damn like you just sit like are my problems really self-inflicted after all? Am I the drama? 
I don't think I'm the drama. <laughs> it's like um the new Taylor Swift single. Um, the chorus is like, "It's me, hi, I'm the problem. It's me." It's oh yeah, me. that's what I'm just like. You know, I'm like, hey, I'm the problem. Yeah, my therapist is like. I was like, why do I think about death so much? Like, why does it consume my thoughts so much? And she's like, maybe because you see death at work, you go home and you watch death on TV and your horror films. And then anytime you're not doing that, you're listening to true crime podcasts. And I was like, you know what? You might have a point there. Um, <laughs> this is why I pay you the big bucks, lady, to tell me these things. <laughs> <laughs> she was just like well your entire life is centered around death so yeah that could be why it, like occupies your brain so much because you're constantly consuming it <laughs> <laughs> she really went overboard for that one <laughs> um so on that note um, let's talk gonna... about something that makes us feel like death yeah Ix. yes x so we're gonna go into our ick of the week segment um i have a really good one that I think is very funny that some people might relate to. I think a lot of people relate to actually, actually it's when a guy is a musician and he plays basically a private concert for you uh, with his guitar and he sings. <sighs> There's nothing cringier in the fucking world than having to sit across from. Yeah. Has that, has that ever happened to you, Adam? Yeah, it's happened to me before. And I cringed out of my skin. Have you ever seen a snake trying to shed its skin, actually? And, like, they rub their head on shit and try to... Yeah. That's, that's how I felt inside. I was just... Because you're also just sat there. And it's not like... It's just like, what do you do? Yeah, like, when is it going to be over? Do I just sit there and smile and go, mmm... It's yeah, like bob your head with the music, like, and then they're inside never you're just very good either. What? They're never very good either. Oh, and even if they were, it would be, it would still be awkward as fuck. Like, ugh, it's just so intimate, and I just feel like time moves so slowly when that shit happens. Oh, to you. Like a snail. Oh my god, it's awful. It's happened to me once to me and then i've actually witnessed it happening to some other girl once before oh, as well see i honestly think that when it happened to someone else would make me give me the ick even more oh god i don't even know i don't know that this is like an ick for me though what like well like let me explain like the ick feels like it's more irrational and this feels like a very rational fear response that i would oh, have oh okay like so like i'm benchmarking all the icks against my white car thing yeah like that has no logic behind it but this i mean i suppose on paper it's like a nice thing to do but it just would make me feel so uncomfortable like yes. so violently uncomfortable well it did make me feel violently uncomfortable yes. it did make me like dry as the sahara oh this actually reminds me of something it's not the same thing but my sister i'm sure she wouldn't mind me telling this but she had a male acquaintance that she knew of and we used to live like right by the town center where we live so he walked her home which was like i guess like a nice thing to do but there was a puddle that she could have easily walked around and he took like a plastic bag and put it over the puddle for her to walk over and oh. like it just oh 
I th- I wasn't there, but I think about that like once a week and honestly just weep for her that she had to experience that because that's just awful. And it's like the same thing. It's like it's- people, these guys think it's like chivalrous and like romantic to do it, but it's not. It's just cringy. Yeah. they're Once again, they're taking too many notes from like TV and movies and rom-coms. Like, please just be a normal human being. Oh my God. This actually like... It low-key reminds me, though, of... um, I watched a video from Jubilee on YouTube, which was like, I'm an incel, ask me anything. Mm -hmm. And the incel was like, oh, I think I'm a decent catch. Like, I work out, um, I'm looking for... I'm actually looking for, like, a good job and that sort of stuff, like... um, And it was very like, oh, I'm just trying to be what women think I want them to be, what I think they want me to be. Yes, and this is the exact same thing. It's like they see, I can't even think of a rom-com where someone still sings to somebody. Um, but they they see shit like that. You know what it is? They see shit like on Love Actually with the placards yes. outside the at the front door. And they think, oh, well, that's great. Um, I'm going to do that. And it's like, no, sir. In a film, you're professionally lit. There's backing music. There's professional people writing the script. The actors are crazy hot and the person's also into it in the film because they're supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. Let's let's just stop using this as the roadmap because it really isn't. Like, this is real life here. Please just remind yourself that you're watching a movie. Like, girls don't... Most girls are... Okay, I don't want to speak for most girls. A lot of girls don't like big chivalrous gestures like that. No, I I just think as well, like... Because the thing is, yeah, actually, no, it is an ick. Just thinking yes. about it. It's, it's um because the thought of it happening to me again, Um, I feel like it would be less icky if a guy just, like, played some piano for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, if it's guitar, they're sat next to you, and if there's any singing involved, yeah, I would be violently ill and throw up. It's the singing for me. Sitting, crying, throwing up. <laughs> like... I, I don't need it and I don't want it. I know, same. That would definitely... I honestly, I honestly almost, like, get mad thinking about it because I'm like, why did you put me in this uncomfortable position? Like, what the yeah. fuck am I supposed to be doing right now? Like, you're just held captive. Yeah, yes, exactly. You're held captive. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> okay, Ugh. well, now that we've ended on our of the week high note there thank you to that listener who sent that in um we're still taking dms on our instagram the ick patrol and uh messages on our gmail which is the ick patrol at gmail.com you can send us questions dating horror uh stories and it's guys we want yes. more keep sending your icks they're hilarious um We'll have some more of those next week as well. And I keep saying that being said. Um, <laughs> <laughs> on that note, thank you so much for listening. And we can't Hi, wait. Guys, happy Halloween. Yeah, happy Halloween. We can't wait to hear from you guys again. And we will see you on the flip side on the next episode. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>